So great to be back here. One of my, this is like my second church home. I'm just so blessed to be here. I live in Franklin, Tennessee, part of Nashville. I go to a multi-ethnic, multi-site church. So I'm serving the board there. I've been coming here, I think, almost 30 years. I, I held Tullus as a baby for sure. I don't know if he's really young or I'm real old. You go, how could that be? You look 28. Well, give or take 40 years, that's true. Okay, 40 years and 50 pounds. Okay, so much for that. But humor aside, I'm just so happy to be here. And I'd like you to stand. Let's, re- let's read the word together. Psalms 121, 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Holy Spirit, make your word real to us. You inspired its authors over hundreds of years to record your thoughts perfectly. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to make Jesus real to us, to come by your presence. We honor you, Heavenly Father. We thank you for your triune God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're so honored that you would call us your children, that you would send your son to purchase our salvation. Amen. I'm going to entitle this message, Vertical Shift. Learning to connect with the invisible God who rarely speaks audibly. The average human lives their life horizontally. I mean by that, the only help they really have is around them. Their, their spouse, their family, their friends, their doctor, the professionals in their life. The input, inspiration, and knowledge they need come from the world around them. Relationships, education, life experience, experts, professionals in their various fields. Even many of us as Christians, we have a lot of great horizontal relationships. You know, our, our, our fellow brothers and sisters, our church family. But how many of you, sooner or later, there's no answers horizontally? Sooner or later, the doctor may say it's over or your finances may be shattered or child may be broken or your marriage hurting. And sooner or later, we come to a moment where the only real answers are vertical. They're up, not around. And if we have not learned how to go up, we end up going down. Jesus was there at the tomb of Lazarus. Everyone was broken. Why didn't you get here? Why'd you take your time? There's no hope. When they rolled the stone away, he'd been dead four days, it stunk. It says he looked up. When Joshua was in front of Jericho with big double walls, huge mounds, no siege equipment, the longer he looked, the worse he felt. You ever have a situation, the more you look at it, the worse you feel? It says Joshua raised his eyes and saw the Lord. I want to help you go vertical today. I want to help you look up. And connect with God. Now I want to say as I describe the place we're in. Fortunately. If you're just getting to know him. Maybe you don't even know him yet. Or maybe like me you've walked with him decades. It's never been easier to connect with God than it is today. Why would I say that? Periodically. Throughout the long history of the church. There have been what. People commonly call revivals. Unusual times. Where it's like God's presence becomes more, you can realize it, you can feel him, you can sense him. Many times millions of people are saved, cultures transformed. 
One describes it as God stepping down from heaven. If I will, it's like his presence bleeds out of the invisible realm into the visible. Why is that important? Because we are in such a time as that. And even now, all across our country, the spirit of God is moving. Colleges, campuses, youth groups, churches. Many of us have cried out for another move of the spirit. I'm a product of the last major great revival in America that started in 1969 and went into the end of the 80s. In the middle of that, there was something called the Jesus Movement. I grew up in Southern California. Next thing I knew, people just got saved in my high school. I didn't know why. I made a deeper commitment to Christ. Hundreds of us would sit at lunch, worshiping and crying. And all up and down the coast of California, small church, 100 miles from me, they were baptizing 1,000 young people a week. All over the country, young people swept into the kingdom of God. How many of you heard about this Asbury revival? Raise your hand if you have. Small college in Kentucky. Next thing they know, they're in chapel. The chapel doesn't stop for two weeks. Thousands of people from all over the country come to visit this small town in Kentucky. Busloads of college students come or touched. There's just a presence so strong. Soon in that little college, every lawn is filled. Every chapel is filled. Speakers, lines of cars, two and a half miles trying to come into the town. Why? God shows up. We're living in another point like that. And I want to help you in this hour, position yourself to connect with God. You know, what's interesting. I was in prayer February 3rd. I saw the strangest thing over my world map. I, I saw these giant thunderstorms pass over America. And God said, son, listen to me. I'm here to give you a storm warning. Thunderstorms of my spirit are coming to your country. I'm going to amplify my voice like thunder. Lightning's going to crack to pierce the darkness and deluges of my presence and rain are coming. Get ready. I called a man that's a meteorologist, brilliant National Weather Service. I said, tell me about thunderstorms. He go, well, they come in the pillar of the cloud. That's familiar in the Bible. He said, but every meteorologist knows, Jim, what really matters with a thunderstorm is what's on the ground. The temperature of the ground, the moisture of the ground determines what the cloud does. He said, let me help you. The, the desperation for God, the love for God, the worship, the space for God. And as the thunderclouds of God come across America, where they find warmth is where they reign. How do we respond to that? I'm going to ask you just a few very simple questions. Are you a committed member of your local church? Why is that important? Because typically when revival comes, God visits his church. God visits Christian college. He just comes. The original revival, day of Pentecost, we're all familiar with Acts 2, 1 through 4. There was a small band of believers. They're praying in the upper room, 120 of them. Next thing they know, like a heavenly storm comes, wind blows through, fires on their head. The rest is history. In 300 years, the Roman Empire is Christianized. Are you? Why is the church so important? We know from 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20, that we're part of a body. The Bible says we're all part of the body of Christ. One a hand, one a nose, one an ear, one a mouth. That means we all have different gifts. You do not have all the gifts you need to grow in Christ. It's why he puts you in a body. It's why small groups, large groups, why it's so important. Thirdly, we find in the church in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, 
Then he gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints. That means it's in church we learn how to connect with him. It's as we go through foundations classes, new members classes, that we learn this is how I connect with him. I'm going to be super practical today. I want you to leave here equipped, not just to experience God on Sunday, but to experience God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This is an unusual moment in history. You know, I grew up in California. We were always conserving water. It's a scarce resource. You're careful with it. And it's even more precious. May I tell you, the revival waters of God's spirit are one of the scarcest resources in Christianity. Many people live a lifetime and never see it. I don't want you to waste these drops. They'll touch your children. They'll touch your life. The Holy Spirit, his presence. Number, this is the second thing I want to say. Are you building your life with God on your biblical habits or are you totally dependent on your spiritual habitat? The average Christian, they're pretty much habitat dependent. You know, they come to church, they experience God, they hear a good message, that's a wonderful thing. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not much happens. What do I mean by that? It says in Luke twenty-two thirty-nine, when Jesus and the disciples were in major crisis point, Judas had betrayed him. It said, when they got to the Garden of Gethsemane, it says of Jesus, as was his habit, he went to the Mount of Olives. Jesus had a habit. Every time he came to Jerusalem, he came and went to the Mount of Olives, went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed. The disciples had a habit too. Every time they went while he prayed, they slept. <laughs> May I tell you, when crisis comes, you'll do what you're in the habit of doing. When pain comes, you'll do what you're in the habit of doing. Crisis hit. He invited Peter, James, and John deeper into the garden. While he prayed and wept, they slept. It's reflex. If you are not learning to seek God when it doesn't matter, you'll have trouble finding him when it does. I wait on God every day. You say you're paid to. Oh, no. I'm not paid to have a relationship with God. I may be paid to preach, equip the saints, travel the world, but no. My relationship with God is in my off-duty hours. It's early in the morning. It's late at night. Late every night, I sit in front of maps, just quiet my soul. What might you say to me? What might you be after? People say, well, Pastor Jim, you hear God so well. That's debatable depending on the circumstance, but I practice it every day. You know, I was in the military. Used to jump out of airplanes for a living. Did all kinds of things. We practice continually because when you're under stress, you will do what you've practiced. When crisis comes, you'll do what you've practiced. What's your habit? Have you learned to hear him at home? His presence is closer than ever before. This is your moment. Thirdly, may I ask this question? Are you in a dialogue with God today or a monologue? It says in John 10, 3, my sheep hear my voice. Part of your birthright is, is you don't have to live in a monologue with God. Let me tell you why Christians quit praying. Because no one likes a monologue. They talk and talk and talk, but normally receive nothing back. You get around an old saint. My mom's 92, filled with God, saved since she was 19, prays all night, filled with joy, no bitterness, yet she buried three sons. Filled with the life of God. Filled, why? 
She's always talking about God. What's your life with God like? I want to help you come into a dialogue. It's so important because as God's presence descends on us, as we feel his presence, typically he's not just speaking to us from the stage. He's speaking in our own heart. He's convicting you of things, encouraging you about things. When's the last time you heard the Holy Spirit whisper to you, I love you? When's the last time when you were broken at home, you heard his whisper, I've got this. You felt his presence. I'll never forget the first time they told me, you know, they, Kathy had had thyroid cancer decades ago. And they said, you know, Mr. LaFoon, we're sorry to say that we think your wife's cancer is spread to the brain. Go home and be with your children. That was helpful. And driving home, the Holy Spirit said, don't bother to pray. Your wife is fine. Pray for missions. How's that happen? Like, how do we come into a circumstance? Listen. God's going to become more and more real in the services. At home, he's, he's visiting people. We, we have testimonies of people just now walking up and wanting to be baptized. They've never been to church. They're visited in dreams. When you look at the Muslim world, and, and you know, I've been all over that part of the world. When we first stepped into Iran, I wasn't there. One of my friends walked into Iran years ago. Now it's the home of the biggest revival in the world. So many Iranians being saved. During COVID, I was part of a prayer meeting called Unite 714. 200,000 intercessors from Iran joined us. He said when he walked into Iran to pray, they'd already heard the gospel fully preached because angels had come to them in dreams and God had spoken scripture to them. This is a true story. How can you have a dialogue with God? And I, I, all I want to do today is position you to fully receive everything that's happening. Let me just say this. The primary way God speaks to us in the authoritative way is basically through the verse of Scripture. Matthew 4, 4, 4 says, but he answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, when Jesus was having it out with Satan in the wilderness, all he spoke was scripture. Satan said, hey, listen, if you're hungry and you're God, turn that rock into bread. Bread would have gotten me a cheeseburger might have. If you're hungry, turn that rock into a cheeseburger. I might have lost. But anyway, <laughs> but every time he spoke, Jesus answered him with scripture. How did that happen? Because the Holy Spirit will come and put scripture in your mind. You say, well, Pastor Jim, that didn't happen to me. Well, maybe there's not many scripture in your mind for him to work with. And one of the most important reasons you need to read that word is when you're in life and you're discouraged, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reminds you of what Jesus said. He reminds you of the Bible. You know, when I faced sickness and lay dying and, with, and had autoimmune issues, all of a sudden, I am the Lord that heals you. I'm sending my word to heal you. Listen. Give him something to work with. I don't mean that in a condemning way. I grew up in a home where my parents only had two answers to everything, the Bible and the board. Whip him, spank him, and make him read the Bible. They knew my brain was connected to my bottom. And the more they hit it, the smarter I'd get. Maybe they didn't hit it enough for what I, anyway. But I was in the Bible all the time. They would read it at dinner while the food got cold. I'm glad now. Wasn't glad then, to say the least. 
I was so traumatized I could barely pray over my food for years. Just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> what might we learn from this? Secondly, and I love that Jim Critcher uses these V's to describe this. They're amazing. One of your pastors here. Viscerally. I mean by that, God will speak to you with feelings and senses from the Holy Spirit. That An example of that is found in Jeremiah 29 where Jeremiah says, I'll not mention him. When I said I wouldn't talk about him or speak in his name, my heart began to burn. There was a fire shut up in me. How many of you ever felt the presence of God? Raise your hand. You can't tell me why you know, you just know. How many of you ever felt it at home? Have you ever wondered why you're feeling the presence of God at home? Could it be he's trying to get your attention? Could it be he's trying to say something to you? Maybe you've got your spiritual phone turned off. You're watching your favorite program, looking at your phone aimlessly, which none of us ever do. And all of a sudden you feel God's presence. Could that be the Holy Spirit vibrating on you? Could that be? But the presence of God just comes on you. Could it be you need to say, Lord, do you want something? God, is there something on your mind, something on your heart? You ever walk in, I know you haven't just felt evil everywhere. You ever ask, what's going on here? So a lot of times, you may find, I, I was, there are times I was trying to pray over something, and I can't explain to you, I felt the Holy Spirit, stop me. Check me. Don't do this. He'll come to you, he'll speak to you. Vocally is my favorite. Elijah's had a hard time. Jezebel's tried to kill him. He's run up hiding in a cave. There's an earthquake. There's a fire. There's a wind. There's all this just amazing phenomena. Says God wasn't in any of them. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, went out, stood at the entrance of the cave, and behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here? Many Christians I know, how many of you ever heard the soft whisper of God's voice? Raise your hand. Look around, many of us. You say, that's weird. No, that's just the Bible. Well, Jim, why didn't God speak audibly? He does, but rarely. Normally, he whispers in your conscious mind. Why? He's forcing you to focus. He's forcing you to quiet your soul. He'll whisper to you. He'll speak to you. I can't tell you how many times he's done it to me. And having that kind of relationship with God, once you come into a dialogue, you're addicted to it. Once you feel his presence, once you hear his whisper, you say, well, Pastor Jim, why don't I ever hear those things? You're too noisy inside. The real issue is we spend all our time trying to control what we can't control and spend very little time of what we can control. You can control what you put into your spirit. You can control what you put in your mind. And we can't control our environment. It could be loud. It could be chaotic. You could be in a place you don't like where you're working. But when you get quiet in here, I practice all the time getting quiet. I'm going to count to three. Close your eyes. I'm going to count to three. And once I do, I want you to put your hand up when you feel the presence of God. One, two, three. Hands going up. You sense God. Put your hands on. Why am I doing that? Because here's what the Bible says. Be still, then you'll know I'm God. Learning to still your soul. Have you ever noticed sometimes in worship here, we stop singing? How many of you notice that? You think, oh, why aren't we singing anymore? Because we're giving you a moment to feel his presence. 
for him to speak to you. And the, the ability to still your soul, I practice all the time. I'll be on airplanes and just get real quiet and try to hear. Why? Because when crisis comes, it's hard to still your soul. Then the Holy Spirit can come, come visually. I mean by that, he can show you things on the screen of your imagination. In Acts 9, 10, God came to a man named Ananias in a vision and said, by the way, Saul's coming. He goes, no, I know. That's why I'm hiding. He's killing people. God says, I got good news for you. You're the one that's going to visit him. I was a young man, got invited to elders meeting. I thought, man, I may be getting promoted. I got to the elders dinner, elder behind me. Every time I looked at him, I saw a ball peen hammer smacking him on top of the head. In my imagination, I thought, man, what did I eat? Like, what's wrong? I finally go, Fidel, uh, how's your head? He goes, it's pounding. The Lord will just surprise you. Lord, the Lord is, the Bible says in the book of Job, God talks to people all the time. They don't recognize it. He stood over Samuel's bed and said, Samuel. Samuel ran to Eli. He wants to speak to you. Communicate with you. The fourth thing I want to say is this is one of my favorite. Are you walking by faith or by sight? I want to talk to you about vertical shift. Let me say this out of Romans 10, 17. But the righteousness based on faith says, don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will send into the abyss, that's to bring him up. What does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For the heart one believes and is justified, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema word of God, the spoken word. Let me tell you. Have you ever been, have you ever been depressed? Raise your hand. I raised both my hands. Despairing. Down in the dumps. This is what I've learned. Let me tell you how to shift vertical fast. There's a lot of ways to read the word of God. You meditate on it, dwell on it, ponder it, study it. But I begin every morning after singing and worshiping, speaking the word of God, and I go to bed every night speaking the word of God. There is a power to speaking the Bible. There is a power to speaking the reality of how God sees you and what God is saying to you. You know, I wake up in the morning, I woke up this morning, I say, I believe that by faith you shut the mouth of lions, Hebrews 11. I believe by faith the walls of my Jericho are falling today. I believe by faith my Red Seas are parting. I believe by faith I'm receiving dead things back to life. I receive by faith. As tired as I am this morning, you say your strength's made perfect in my weakness. I believe this morning that you always start. <clears throat> you always finish what you start. I believe this morning you've made my mouth a sword. I believe this morning you've made my mouth a threshing sledge, new and sharp with many teeth, many teeth, and the mountains in front of me will be reduced to powder and blow away. When you begin to speak the word out loud, it shifts your emotions. It shifts your spirit. I heard Joyce Meyer say one time, the famous Bible teacher, she said, stop begging God for what he's promised you and confess what he says. There's a power in that. You speak that word. You speak that word, beloved. You speak that word. 
Lastly, are you walking in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit? Are you? The Holy Spirit is being poured out. How do we relate to him? How do we walk with him? I want to ask you one, three questions about that. One, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Luke 24, 49 said, And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay into the city and do your clothed with power from on high. Paul came to Ephesus. When he saw 12 believers there, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They began to speak in tongues and prophesy. I was 17. California was in ferment. Just nation shaken. Good things happening, civil rights, crazy things happening as well. California is typically the national leader in crazy things. And my generation was giving themselves to everything but God. I mean, to hear about this baptism of the Spirit. I begin to go to my dad's little church every night and pray and cry out. Heaven opened and he drenched me with the power from on high. I've never been the same since. I didn't know I could have just asked a Christian to lay hands on me. Are you baptized in the Spirit? Have you received the gift of tongues? What is that? It's the ability to pray, to pray in a language you've never learned. Why is it important? Let me just be obvious. How many of you have trouble praying? Sometimes I do. How many of you have trouble even knowing what to pray? And when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you pray in a language you've never learned, you connect with God because the Holy Spirit prays to you perfectly. Let me ask you a question. Here's the second thing. Are you grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit today? Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed. You ever wonder why the Lord didn't choose like an eagle as a symbol of the Holy Spirit? Maybe a big condor, maybe a, a, a predator, a dove. My wife loves bird feeders. I love them, except you got you to load them up all the time. And those doves are so shy, the squirrels can chase them. What's the Lord saying? My Holy Spirit's real sensitive. Yes, he's powerful, but he's tender. You realize when you sin, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Beloved, yes, Jesus forgives our sins. My wife and I, when we were married, we never wanted to go to bed mad or angry. I might add, we spent a lot of nights up all night. But the fact of it was, we learned why. Because we realized when we argued or if we became embittered, we would grieve the Holy Spirit. And we did not want to live in a home without the active presence of the Holy Spirit. You say, Jim, how do I handle the Holy Spirit? Very tenderly. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit would leave your heart, but I am saying you'll grieve him. What grieves him? Your attitudes. What grieves him? Your actions. Ungratefulness. Unrepentant and bitterness and anger. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. And guess what? As the Holy Spirit comes down, he's going to point out in your life what's grieving him. When he gets really close to you, you're going to begin to feel convicted like you've never done. Don't be afraid because as you repent, the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all your sins and you're just making more room for the Holy Spirit to empower you. Have you grieved him? Beloved, my gosh, I spent my, I, my mama, 92, best Christian I know. And she goes, boy, the Lord's been convicting me how selfish I am. 
It just never stops. Secondly, the Bible says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. What quenches the Holy Spirit? Not making room for him. Ignoring his presence when you're home having your favorite comfort. Don't quench him. He's present right now. And as he draws close to you, you is, I can't put in words what we'll see happen in our country. The polarization, the pain, the racism, all the things. We desperately need God to come and heal our broken country. He's come before. He's come again. Let me stop. If you're part of, committed part of this, I'm happy for you. It's not the only place he's coming freshly, but it's one of the places. You're in the right place at the right time. Coming to meet you. Wants to have a conversation with you. Wants a dialogue. Wants to change you, touch you. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, slip your hand up right now. I need someone on the keyboard. I want you to bow your head a moment. Say, Holy Spirit, if I've grieved you in any way, show me right now. I want you to take a moment. If I've grieved you, Holy Spirit, show me. Take a deep breath, he's here. I've grieved you, show me. I don't want to quench you. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm making room for everything you want. My family, life, job. He's here. Come, Holy Spirit. Have a dialogue with your people. Touch them. Be with them. Move on them. I think the first step of revival was really COVID. I mean by that that God sent it on us. But he sure used us to make us desperate. He's here. Take a deep breath. Breathe in that presence. He can heal you, touch you, save you, deliver you. He's here. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Jesus, it's better for me to ascend to heaven because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come. I was with you. He'll be in you. Blow upon this church, Holy Spirit. May weeks of your fresh visitation come. I thank you.